Welcome, monsieur. Sit yourself down and meet the best innkeeper in town. A gent of good intent who's content to be. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Circle of Film podcast. Today is a statistics episode for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I'm curious, I know that currently all the production for the sequels to this film are being labeled Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 2, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 3, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 4, etc. But... I feel as though that's not going to end up being the titles of the films. But I don't see. I don't know. I don't know if there's a way that they could pull off something like Fantastic Beasts and different subjective aspect of the title. Um, I don't know because I, I, I don't. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them too. Numbers are, like, not a thing anymore. And, like, the Harry Potter books never had numbers. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, it just, some, some aspect of that bothers me is all I guess I'm saying. So, anyway, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, so, this is the... 127th film from 2016 that I've seen the 983rd film I've seen this year and as I said before in my review episode I gave it a 74 which puts it on par with Finding Dory Denial and Team Thor the Taika Waititi short film that came out this year and uh, I think that's good company all things considered um, yeah I mean I am a little lower on Finding Dory than critics were well a little my, 20 points lower than the Rotten Tomatoes score that as of the last time I checked it uh, but my writing for Fantastic Beasts is pretty in line with where the critics are. Critics have it at a 76, I believe, and 74 is very close to that. So, yeah. Um, I saw it on the 18th, so th- approximately three days ago as of when I'm recording this and as of when it's being released. Uh, I clocked it at a hour, 1 in 136 minutes, 2 hours and 16 minutes overall. And yeah, so it is the ninth film in the Harry Potter world of movies. And I am uh, just now going to see. So it stacks up. I mean, it stacks up okay enough, I guess, against the rest of them. Oh, uh, hold on. M. Just M there. Just M there. Yeah, so it, it comes in at 8th right now. You know, like I said in my review, you know, it's much more of a introduction than it is a film itself. 
which right now hurts the film but potentially could be good for it in the long run i mean we'll see if it ultimately ends up being something that bolsters the next stuff to come out uh but yeah so the only one the only film that's better than in the harry potter series is half-blood prince my least favorite but i mean half-blood prince i still give it a 71 so it's still a good movie a very good movie uh i just i think yates did really well with order the phoenix and then he shift he started to shift he shifted way too dark way too fast with half-blood prince and he also i don't think he did the source material as much justice as had been done to it in the first five movies and that kind of continued particularly into part two of deathly hallows uh but to a much lesser extent in part one you know so fantastic beast does edge out half-blood prince in the eighth slot um and this and the addition of Fantastic Beasts makes the Harry Potter series uh, currently tied for fourth in the most films in a series that I've seen. Uh, so the first is the MCU, which has 20 films when you include all the shorts and one-shots. Uh, second is the DC Animated Universe, which I've seen 14 films of. Uh, which is also tied for second with The Land Before Time, which I have seen all 14 films of it. (laughs) Somehow. uh, (laughs) Even The Journey of the Brave, which came out this year. And then Harry Potter now has nine films, which currently ties X-Men. So you've got... And this is X-Men top to bottom, including Deadpool in this. So First Class, Days of Future Past, Deadpool, X-Men, X-Men, X2, X-Men United, X-Men The Last Stand, The Wolverine, X-Men Origins Wolverine, X-Men Apocalypse. I mean, Harry Potter is a much better series overall, but that's where it kind of ranks in that in that stuff. Uh Summary I gave for it is a wizard seeking to care for and learn about magical creatures goes to America where things are much different. Very, very vague, but it's only one sentence and I don't have time to be too specific. Uh, So, as for directors, uh, so this one is directed by Yates, who directed the last four Harry Potter films. And he's a solid director like those are the, these are the only five films that i've seen of his and i'm not even sure if he has others uh but you know that's a pretty strong resume as far as i'm concerned it puts him just outside of the top 300 but um you know that's you know considering like there's so many directors and writers on these two pages that have one film that was rated like 90 or higher and that really kind of skews the um, the ranking system right now. But so so that considered, like just being being above like being under like five hundred, I think is like a high quality director is 
currently where I'm putting things. That's like the cutoff point. So, yeah. So it's his fourth best film um, because the other three, like the three ahead of it, are Harry Potter movies. The one behind it is the Harry Potter movie. So, you know, I, is he attached to direct the rest of them? I feel like he is. I feel like I, I know that, but I'm not sure. Yeah, so he's going to direct all of them. And well, firstly, I'm glad that Ye- at least the same person is directing all five. Uh, I don't know that Yates is the best person for the job, but he's definitely the most familiar with that type of material. So that's... Uh, exciting it's exciting because you know he did such a he did a good job with other things um you know but you know looking wait a second what the legend he directed the legend of tarzan how is that not on my spreadsheet then tarzan legend of tarzan oh shit because i put it under peter yates Damn it. What a... That will make him less high on the list then. Uh, Let's see. Yates. I just... I guess I figured there would only be one type of Yates. (laughs) So that kind of does affect things. Legend of Tarzan. Which I gave an 18. I, I did not like that movie. It, it just it doesn't do much with I mean like obviously Margot Robbie is great because she's always great but it just doesn't none of it comes together it doesn't focus on the parts of Tarzan that we really care about anyway uh, so it, it's just kind of a mess <clears throat> um <clears throat> Looking at the rest of the things he's done, nothing really. Like Harry, he kind of broke open on Harry Harry Potter. Like he had not really directed anything before that. A couple of miniseries on TV, none of which I've seen. So, I don't. I'm not sure how he got the job, but that really like. I don't know. It just he just exploded after that. Um. Yeah, so that's so now that drops him down to like five seventy five. So not quite as strong as he was, but he's out. He's he's oh, he's good. He's still a good director, all things considered. Uh, moving on to writers, so this is the first screenplay that Rowling wrote herself. Uh, all her other writing credits are for the source material books, which that counts in the spreadsheet. So. I attribute their a writing credit to anyone who worked on the screenplay, anyone who worked on the material that the screenplay is based off of. And, you know, I generally don't count characters as, like, if you, if you created the character, that doesn't really count as a writing credit. But <clears throat> the discrepancy between source material and screenplay is that, you know, obviously if you wrote the source material, you don't get the... Uh, acknowledgement of the Oscar nomination if such a thing were to happen so you could have someone on the spreadsheet who wrote um, I don't know 
anything. Uh, I don't know if I can find an example really quick. But let's just say it was... A History of Violence was nominated for a screenplay Oscar. But the only person... but there were So I have three writers attached to it. John Wagner, Vince Locke, and Josh Olsen. But only Josh Olsen was nominated for the Academy Award for it. So <clears throat> that's how that comes to play. Uh, so Rowling has nine writing credits and uh, the edition of Fantastic Beasts moved her up to 43rd overall. So that's pretty insane. Uh, you know, she's, you know, when Fantastic Beasts 2 comes out in two years, she'll join in a very elusive club of double-digit writing credits on my spreadsheet, which only includes nine people right now. <clears throat> and... Two of them are the Coen brothers, so that's basically one person. Two of them are Joseph Barbera and William Hanna, so Hanna and Barbera, which, again, it's like one person. So that would be pretty amazing, I think. So, yeah, she has a score of like of 104.11, uh, which is really good, really good. Awesome. So, uh, actors. And so, I did a check. Next, probably It's probably been over a year now since I did this. But I wanted to see what film appeared in my top, 50, top 100 actors most frequently. And I'm pretty sure it ended up being one of the Harry Potter movies. Either Hallows 1 or Hallows 2. I don't remember which. But it ended up having like 15 or 16 people that were in the top 100. Because at the time, most of the Harry Potter kids and, like, unknown people were only in Harry Potter movies. And because the Harry Potter movies were so well-rated, just being in, like, six or seven of those movies was, like, 80th place or something like that. Uh, it's not quite the case any that, case, that, the case, that that's the case anymore. Uh, but... You know, looking at someone like so, like Matthew Lewis, who is in all eight Harry Potter movies, and that's it that I've seen, is a hundred and fourth place overall. So, you know, so that that's he's fallen down. A lot of people have moved up, uh, especially since this was before the point when Oscar nominations and Academy Awards were. Uh, added points to your score but yeah so so like there's so many people and fantastic Beasts doesn't have quite as extensive a cast as any of the harry potter movies did but it does have a pretty significant one with so it starts out uh okay so we're going to jump into spoilers really fast because the highest rated actor on my spreadsheet is a spoiler if you don't know any casting rumors that you may have heard, you should stop listening for a little bit. And I think a lot of people have heard about this already. I did, and I wasn't even trying to like learn anything about the movie, which was kind of disappointing. But okay, anyway, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Uh, Johnny Depp uh, is featured in the movie. Uh, this is his 17th best film. 
and his 42nd film overall. It raises his average rating to a 59.95. It is the ninth film that he's been in that I've rated between 70 and 79. It ups his value to a 45, which is a top 10 value. Or, no it isn't, it is a top 30 value. Uh, And it is puts his score at 107.95 so he moved up 15 spots from this movie for the like two lines that he has in it at the end of the movie all right so moving past the spoilers uh next highest we have uh colin farrell who plays the who plays graves in the film this is the 19th colin farrell film i've seen and it ranks as his ninth overall, his first film that I've rated between 70 and 79. It ups his average rating to 66.32, ups his value to 27, ups his score to 93.32, and it bumps him up about 80 spots to 367th. Uh, so, you know, good day for old Colin Farrell, who, yeah don't want to give stuff away uh so then uh so uh fantastic beast the next person uh is dan hedaya 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 who doesn't really have a an actual role in the movie hold on let me look at i saw his name's listed on imdb and they, they give him the credit of red I don't know who the hell Red is. Red. Fantastic Beasts. Nope. That's not anything relevant. I don't remember anybody named Red in the movie. Uh, but Hedaya is given credit on IMDb as that. So, you know, I have to take that as face value. Uh, this is Hedaya's eighth best film. And 15th overall, so it falls right smack dab in the middle. Uh, raises his score, or raises his average rating to 68.87. That's the decently high score rating. It's his fourth film, rated between 70 and 79. Raises his value to 24, and his overall score to 92.87. And he is just a couple of slots behind Colin Farrell, and he moves up to 382nd. So that's that's also pretty good. Then we jump down to Carmen Ejogo, who plays um, Serafina, the uh, American wizard president. She This is only the fourth film of hers that I've seen, and it is her second best behind Selma. It is her second film, rated between 70 and 79, her actually lowers her average film rating to a 75.75 but raises her value to 8 and her overall score to an 83.75 so she's now ranked 825th then we've got uh, John Voight Uh, I didn't really touch on his character in the review much Uh, again like he's basically just a loose thread that's going to pay off presumably is going to pay off down the line in films two three four or five uh 
so like there's not really much to say because like he watches his son die and then he sees magic but then he forgets everything that he just saw so you know who knows what that means uh this is the 19th film with john voight uh raises his rating average film rating to 61.37 seventh film of his that i've seen rated between 70 and 79 raises his value to a 21 and raises his score to an 84.37 so he is now just under the 800 mark at 795 so he bumped up about 140 spots with this movie which next you've got jen murray Murray, Murray, who played uh, Chastity, one of the uh, one of um, Samantha Morton's kids that she was looking after. Uh, she mm, she was the older sister, I believe. Uh, I first re- I first recognized her from uh, Brooklyn. She was in Brooklyn from last year. And then she was also in Love and Friendship this year. Uh, So this is her third film, her second best film, her first film between 70 and 79. It also lowered her average film rating to a 74.33, but raised her value to 6, her overall score to 80.33, and she moved up about 100 spots to 1,017th, but still on the top 50% side of the acting spreadsheet. Uh, then you've got Catherine Waterston, the uh, Tina character. This is the eighth film I've seen her in, her fourth overall, fourth best overall, second film between 70 and 79, raised her rating, average rating to a 67.25, her value to an 11, and her score to a 78.25, which bumped her up 170 spots to... 1137 uh, which is awesome 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 I really liked her in this movie I thought she was great I really hoped that she features predominantly in the films to come you know but like almost nothing is known about the films to come so who's to say uh, then you've got Samantha Morton also her eighth film uh, her second between 70 and 79 raised her value to 11, raised her average rating to 65.13, raised her score to 77.13, and moved her up to 1,200th on the nose. She won't be coming back uh, for the next movies. I feel like... I feel as interesting as the second Salemers plotline could have been... They just didn't do anything with it. Like, the whole reason that it's there... So, uh, like, normally what you'd use that for is to incite conflict between nomadges and wizards, but that's not really what happens because it's only used as a device in which to reveal that Graves is manipulating Ezra Miller's character. And uh, I just... I don't know. I, f- I found that that side plot line really lacked for me. Samantha Morton is great in the role, but like she doesn't, isn't given a lot to do other than like abuse her kids and like decry wizardry. But that's just me. Uh, next is Ezra Miller. This is his sixth film. 
<clears throat> and uh, I really want Flash, the Flash movie to be good, or just like any DC movie to be good, because like Batman v Superman was hard for him. Even though I liked and rated Suicide Squad probably a lot higher than it should be. And I do, I just, they did just announce the extended edition, which I'm sure I'll watch at some point. Uh, and that'll probably be a t- the time when I like actually get to see the movie and step away from just my love of comic book movies and maybe reevaluate the rating that I gave it. Uh, so, like, the, that's, but it's still, like, it's still hurting his score overall. Uh, but this, but Fantastic Beast bumped his score up to, uh, you know, it's his sixth film, his third best, and it raised his value to a seven, raised his average rating to a 65.5, and his score to a 72.5, <clears throat> which moves him up to 1,499th. And now we've finally dropped past the midway point with Zoe Kravitz. You may not have recognized her. She is the in the picture of um, Newt Scamander's ex-girlfriend, ex-wife, ex-love, ex-crush, whatever she might have been to him. Uh, she's the Lestrange. She's a, presumably a ancestor to Bellatrix was strange which I thought was fascinating like I wanted to know more about that but you know movie logic didn't allow for that and so she's there for like two seconds but and so the reason that she counts and someone like Chris Pine doesn't count in Batman v Superman is because in Batman v Superman the pictures don't move and so he doesn't so like pine isn't actually like acting or doing anything in the movie but in harry potter's world the pictures do move so she's technically acting like they they had to film her i don't know it's a very strange contingency <clears throat> but it's her fourth best film and uh her ninth overall, it raises her average rating to a 56.56, her value to a 9, her score to a 65.56. So she gained like 4 points on her score with this movie. And it makes puts her rank up 200 spots to 1,901st. Um, yeah, I, I really do like Zoe Kravitz. It's a shame she got so bogged down with the Divergent series, but... You know, I, I don't know what else, you know, kind of like Anna Kendrick and Twilight or whatever. But, and then After Earth as well. That's a shame. But she was great in Mad Max and uh, Dope. So I hope I see good things for her in the future. Uh, after that, you have Ron Perlman, another person you may not have recognized at first. Uh, but he plays the... Uh, goblin uh, narlac that you know rats them out to the bad guys uh, so he's only credited as his voice because he may have done mocap I'm not sure 
but it's not physically his body in the role. Uh, so this is his fourth best film, behind two other voice roles in Tangled and The Book of Life, and then his best movie, which is Drive. <clears throat> this is his 19th film overall. His second film, between 70 and 79, raises his average score to a 52.79, raises his value to a 9, and leaves his score at a 61.79, which moves him up to 2,092nd place. Uh, that brings us to Eddie Redmayne. I am so not a fan of Eddie Redmayne. I think he was... Uh, I think Le Mis was, like, my biggest highlight of his. You know, because he can really sing. He does a good job in that movie. <clears throat> and I think, while I think The Theory of Everything is a better movie than Le Mis, I think he's not as good in it. Uh, it's not that he was, like, miscast or anything, because I think he does pull off the ALS well. And he portrays... Uh, <clears throat> Stephen Hawking with respect and you know it's a good performance I don't think it's Oscar worthy like I don't know why he was I don't know why he won I mean I guess like nominated I guess I wouldn't be have such a problem with it but like winning I, I didn't see it at all um, and like the Danish girl is I have so many feelings about that movie and him in it I, I guess he himself was fine in it but, like, the movie I was really negative on. Pretty much from the beginning. Well, no. I guess pretty much from when, like, it started. But before it started, I was really excited for it. But then it played. Uh, anyway, this is the seventh movie that I've seen Eddie Redmayne in. It raises his average rating to a 51.43. It's the first movie I've seen of his between a 70 and 79. Raises his value to a 3, and his score to a 57.43, which puts him at 2,337th overall. Um, which does seem very low down the list, and it is, but keep in mind, there are 3,268 people on this list, so there are almost 1,000 people below him. And one of those people is Dan Fogler. <laughs> this is Dan Fogler's third best movie. And his his best movie that doesn't that isn't uh, simply a voice role. Uh, it's his eleventh movie total, and raises his rating average rating to a fifty point two seven. It's the third movie he's been in, rated between seventy and seventy nine. Raises his value to on to the positive side of with two, and his score to a fifty two point two seven, and raises his rank to two thousand five hundred fifty three. And then, lastly, uh, someone who was added to the spreadsheet because of this movie, and only this movie, Alison Sudol, who I have not seen in anything else, who uh, really hasn't been in much else. She was in, you know, she's primarily, like, a singer. She has, like, 22 soundtrack credits. But... Uh, she has been in some movies. I just haven't seen them. Uh, she was in Between Us this year. I don't, which I didn't see. <clears throat> she was in Other People's Children last year. Uh, 
which looks like a movie that no one saw. <laughs> uh, and then like a couple of shorts and she's in Transparent as Kaya. I don't remember her as Kaya. I only saw the first season. It was, it's been a while. Uh, she's in the TV show Dig. But I presume that she's going to be in, if not all, at least one of other Fantastic Beasts movie. So I so on that basis alone, I've added her to the list. She's also a very prominent actor in the movie. So, you know, I, I can't imagine that she won't find more work. Because I do think she's quite good in the movie. She's very charming. She's very... Um, interesting and I, I liked her performance so this is the only movies i've seen her in so it's her best movie so she has an average film rating of 74 she has a value of two which gives her a score of 76 and puts her in at 1271st place just because of fantastic beasts which is a great jumping off point um so now i can sort this awesome 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 uh, so, genre uh, is just adventure and fantasy, uh, which is, I believe, exact what every other Harry Potter movie is. Um, although, that's not true. They are all adventure fantasy movies, but some of them are count as dramas, some of them count as action. Uh, it really depends on the movie. And... Uh, you know, because the earlier ones are less likely to be those. But, like, the later the movies get, the more action, the more drama that there is. So, um, yeah, that's where that's at. But Fantastic Beasts, Adventure, Fantasy, it, it mat hits everything on the Bechdel test. Um, uh, the Wizarding President and uh, Catherine Waterston's Tina do discuss things without talking about a male. And then I'm pretty sure Tina and Queenie have conversations that don't directly meant talk about uh, Newt or Dan Fogler's character. It's a PG-13 movie. So that means it is the 34th adventure movie I've seen this year. It is the 22nd fantasy movie I've seen this year. It moves the Bechdel test needle over to 44.88% of movies this year have gotten a three uh, which is pretty good it is much higher than the other the years the recent year other recent years that i've seen it is the 46th pg-13 film which means i've now seen more films from this year than last year rated pg-13 despite seeing 72 more films from last year than this year currently so uh, genre Academy Awards it hasn't been nominated for any yet um, I think I didn't mention this in the review I would love for it to get a costume nomination I loved the costumes particularly Tina's particularly Newt's I think they're gorgeous and really fun like because not only do you have the 1920s New York setting to play with but you also have the wizarding angle to play with and it's in america so it's a little different than like the london version so like everybody's got these long flowy garbs but they also but like they have to wear things that 
kind of designate that they're wizards, but also, unless you're a wizard, you wouldn't recognize it. So it's similar to the 1920s style with just a little bit of a twist. And I think that really comes off in the movie. And I, I thought it was really, really nice to see. Uh, as far as any of the other categories, the visual effects are good. I don't know if they're good enough. It's because, you know, presumably, <coughs> excuse me, you know, you've got Jungle Book, which came out earlier. Uh, you've got Doctor Strange, and I think those two are both locks for nominations. You're probably looking at Rogue One being in this conversation as well. Uh, don't forget Civil War probably gets in as well, in too. Um, I don't know about Batman v Superman or Suicide Squad. I think it's unlikely. Uh, did Man of Steel get a nomination? No. So I think it's unlikely, but I think they're still in the conversation at least as much as Fantastic Beasts is. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not really sure about anything else. That's about where I'm at as far as that goes right now. Visual effects. I'm trying to think if there's anything else coming out in the next month or so. But nothing's coming to mind. So... Oh, I guess Arrival, probably not. Uh, passengers, we'll have to see. Uh, so right now I think it's just outside, uh, but I, I guess I wouldn't be too upset if it did actually end up getting a nomination for visual effects. Um, I've heard a lot of, I've heard people say that production design might get it, and mm, I don't particularly see it. I do think that, I mean, it looked so, I don't know. It, it, there are some parts of it that I thought were interesting, but too, unlike the Harry Potter movies, it all takes place in like New York and we all know New York already. So I don't know. I, I didn't find it as fantastic or as, as wonderful as most of the Harry Potter productions were. Um, and then I guess the other other categories it might be considered for are sound mixing, because you know just the the sound effects for you know all the things that the magic does, you know all the floating plates and uh, just reassembling things that have been damaged, and you know the the. Uh, the obscurus, the obscurial creatures, sounds like they were all really well crafted, really well created, and I think that that's, I think that's a possibility as well. I do think that I feel as though costumes are their are the best chance to win an award, and the most likely nomination that this movie will get. But there are a couple here and there that I've heard chatter about and could come to fruition. Uh, it doesn't rank anywhere on my best pictures list, top 100, or anything else. So, yeah, that's Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, pretty much. Uh, as far as my 2016 rankings, Fantastic Beasts is currently number 40. <laughs> so, again, so, you know, 
Oh, and then if you ignore Finding Dory and Denial, which are technically tied with it, puts it up to like a tie for 38th. But it's, you know, it was pretty solidly. I mean, it's definitely in the top half. I, you know, there's a lot of worse movies that you could watch this year. But it did leave a bit of uh, something to be desired. So, yeah. Um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I'm really... See, that's the thing. I got the same kind of a vibe from Doctor Strange, right? You know, and... Because both movies ultimately function in the same way. They introduce a new aspect to a world we already knew being the Harry Potter world and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They do it in a different way, being magic for Doctor Strange and being America and beasts for Fantastic Beasts. They set up for future installments and continuity. They both... And so for me, like... The idea and expectation for what's to come for from both of those movies, the vibes I got, were so much greater than what I felt watching them for themselves. You know, like, they're good movies, but watching Doctor Strange just wanted to me to see him interacting with all the other Avengers. And watching Fantastic Beasts, like, there's so many different avenues that the movie could have gone down that that's what I want to see next. And I think that's so much more interesting than what we actually got. And I respect that there has to be some sort of a jumping off point. But I do think, and like I, I, I keep reiterating this, but I do think that it could have been handled a little better. If not a lot better. But it was handled adequately. So, Yeah. So that's Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them as far as the t- statistics go. I like the movie. I think that anyone who enjoyed the Harry Potter books and movies will find something to enjoy about this movie. It's not an egregious, disrespectful piece of media or art uh, that's going to, in my opinion, detract from what you know and love already, you know, Rowling penned it herself. So as inadequate as you might think it is, it is still keeping with the same level of love and care that she put into writing everything else that you've loved. So I think that that's worth noting. Um, Yeah. So, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, tomorrow's episode is going to be my first retro episode. So, get excited for that. Uh, you'll finally finally hear the intro that I made for it, which is not terribly new, but it, it is different. And we'll enjoy kind of looking back at some really old movies. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, so you can find any of my contact information at circleoffilm.com. Email me at circleoffilm at gmail.com. And as always, have a week. So long, And all that jazz So long, farewell I'll be to say that